ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Evening Jones. Got this hoodie off for no particular reason. As I believe I've told you before, the hoodie is the most perfect article of clothing ever invented. And when I have the hood on, it makes me feel like someone loves me. Oh, also, here's Emmy. Say hi to Emmy. Feel like a whole lot of people are getting to the chat room late today, so they don't get to enjoy seeing Emmy. Special for you uh, early arrivers. Thanks so much. Problem is, I'm trying to kiss Emmy, but Emmy got these lightning bolts coming out of back. And the place on Emmy that is like easiest to like actually kiss, I look like a freak. So, last week, I was trying to tell you guys an interesting story. And I admit that the story was, I think you could make the argument, a rich people's story. But, I mean, these are the kind of stories I have now. Anyway, I told the story. I've been, I mean, I feel like I've been going like 10, 15 minutes. And then I realized that we had not actually started the broadcast. It was actually a very depressing moment. That, you know, came into fruition later at the end of the podcast because I was too exhausted you know, to care, you got like a certain level of low energy sincerity from your boy that I feel like a lot of y'all really appreciate it. So there's that, right? Anyway, um, this is what I started off with last week that nobody got to hear. And I feel like now, or it was a couple weeks ago. Anyway, I feel like now I got enough separation from the moment such that I'm in a position where I can perhaps not recreate the magic, but I can get into the same place. So anyway, as many of you guys know, I do this record thing now, right? Like, I'm into the vinyl, listen to a lot of stuff, buy a lot of stuff. I've invested a significant amount of money in this vinyl excursion. Like, I'm really thinking about it, looking at the uh, number of records I've purchased, the record player, um, some sonic improvements that I had to make around the Casa um, in order to, you know, make this happen. It's a lot of stuff. You know, it's a lot. I've, I've, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing this right. So anyway, I went to an electronic store, and they had like a vinyl room that was set up. And I went in there, and everything sounded like magic, bro. Like er- everything sounded, sounded like magic. Now, now, part of the problem with everything sounded like magic is, of course, um, they kind of dunking on an eight foot goal in this place where they do that because the wall is just full on with the little panels, you know, the, 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 the acoustic joints, right? Like it's full on set up in that way. So they are really selling it to you. But one thing the cat told me in there, cause I was in there listening to some records, thinking about buying some stuff. And a man is like, um, now that's a $1,600 record player. We got there. And I'm like $1,600. $1,600. Like, I got to take these 1200 because I just felt like the sort of thing that you should do. That bad boy cost me like 600 and I was really looking at it like, you know, there are record players that are far cheaper than uh, $600. So I'm thinking I'm making an expenditure. Not quite. So anyway, keeping in mind, this man told me about this $1,600 record player they got. Now, I'm thinking that this man told me about a $1,600 record player. I'm hearing the number $1,600, and I feel like we are at the like high end of record players, right? Like, that's my thinking, as he's telling me about this $1,600 record player. Um, and so, I asked the partner, the DJ, um, my man Wally Sparks, and um, 
I was asking him, like, yo, you know, record players, like, you know, what's like, what's a fly record player? Um, and he told me about this brand called Macintosh Labs. And I say, okay. And so I'm thinking, you know, after the man, after this guy told me about the $1,600 record player at the electronics store, I go to the, the Macintosh lab site, or I actually already, already gone to the Macintosh lab site. So I had gone and I just want to see how much them bad boys cost. And they wouldn't even tell you the price, right? Like the website would not give you the price. So I didn't have any like real actual idea of how much this costs. But I'm thinking this $1,600 record player, I mean, that's got to be like the dopest record player ever, right? Like there's, there's no other way for it to be. So I go find a, a super duper fancy record player store or a hi-fi store, however you want to put it. And I do that and I plan to go in to ask about this record player that they will not even sell you on the website. And I mean, I'm figuring that this is like the $1,600 record player. Like I'm looking at what I saw on the website. I'm like remembering what I saw in the store. So I'm like, cool, this is like $1,600 record player. And I readily admit that, I mean, I am at a place in life now where I could buy a $1,600 record player. And so I've talked myself into this, right? I can be a little frugal, but I've talked myself into this. I'm going to get this $1,600 record player. So I go in there and I'm talking to the man and I ask him about the brand, you know? He's like, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we do that. And I say, okay, cool. Well, how much does that cost? And he says to me, I mean, well, I mean, there's different ones. I mean, there's the $10,000 one. I can get my hands on the $40,000 one. I said, $40,000. $40,000 for a record player. And I just kind of stood there and I'm just what? I couldn't. I could not believe this. That's a car, right? I, I, I had. I have so many questions. I have so many questions about this because I'm trying to figure out what's the overlap in the Venn diagram of people who have forty thousand dollars to spend on a record player and people who want record players. Like this, this record thing is getting like, you know, back into being a thing, but it ain't been like that for a while now. Like I figured there was a stretch where they really weren't selling that many record players. How many people are buying $40,000 record players that it is worth it for the company that makes the $40,000 record player to make them up, make them in scale enough to have them ready for distributors to get $40,000 for a fucking record player. Do you understand how badly I want this $40,000 record player? Like, do you know how bad I want to hear this $40,000 record player? I mean, let's, let's, let's stop to think about this for a second. I mean, just how good because i asked the dude i'm like look man how much i mean how much more sound are you getting and he's like no nah, you're getting i mean you're getting an improvement in sound right like and 
that improvement in South Hang is rabbit hole. And see, the reason that that improvement in South Hang is rabbit hole is that the $40,000 record player exists, okay? I have the $600 record player. There are plenty of record players before you get to the $600 record player. Little did I know how many record players there were, $600 and greater. I had no idea. Like, I started looking and seeing things that were in, like, the $4,000 range at one point. And I'm like, wow, that seems extraordinarily high. Incorrect. And so the problem for somebody like me is, like, the $1,600 record player, I can do that. That's cool. I can do that. But then there's, like, a $3,000 record player, and it's better than the $1,600 record player. I can do that. Right? And there's, like, a $5,000 record player, I'd assume. And I can do that. I probably don't want to do that. It's debatable whether I'm willing to do that. But I can do that. But see, once you know that that improved level of sound exists, man, you're going to wind up out here, what they call it, the purple dragon? You're going to be chasing it. Like you're trying to get back to that first high. Because after a while, you're going to be a little bit desensitized to the quality of sound you got. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, think about the way that you looked at your HDTV the first day that you got it. Then think about what happened that time you went to your partner's house and he had that 4K. Better than you ever dreamed of. Suddenly not good enough anymore. Isn't that right? Now you out here talking to your lady, trying to do the math on your taxes. See if you can get this 4K TV, even though you just bought a TV four years ago. And that TV you bought four years ago is better than any TV that you had ever had. That's right. And that's what will mess around and happen to me with this damn record player. Like, at one level, I want to go hear that $40,000 sound. On another level, nah, man, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't need to do that. So let me give you an example on that. In line with the Purple Dragon, I got a buddy of mine who tells a story about a piano teacher that he had. And the piano teacher he had is a you know, jazz piano player back in the day. And so he figured that as he was a jazz piano player back in the day, he had to do the thing that all jazz musicians did back in the day, which was, of course, you know, um, heroin. You know what I mean? That was their thing. So anyway, he said he did the heroin one time. And he said after he was done with the heroin, he looked at whoever it was he was with, what he did that he did the heroin with, and he said to him, Don't you ever let me do that again. And he said, because that feeling was so amazing that there was no way in the world that he could ever go down that road again. Right? That's how I feel the forty thousand dollar record player would be. And the problem with me is it's not like I would go from getting the two thousand dollar record player to getting the three thousand dollar I mean, to getting the twenty thousand dollar record player or the forty thousand dollar record player. That's not what it would be because I don't have it in me to talk myself into doing that sort of thing. But like right now, I could get myself maybe to buy a three thousand dollar record player, and then at some point, I'm probably going to talk myself into getting maybe a seven thousand dollar record player. But that point might be in like a year and a half maybe and then after that that seven thousand dollar record player ain't gonna be what i thought it was and i'm gonna be trying to put like sound panels up on the wall yeah i'll be trying to do all this other stuff to improve it i have come up with some brilliant ideas of even like creating myself a little listening room with a whole wall 
Got all the things around it. Do you understand how much money I have just spent in my head just on this? And it's basically only because I know the $40,000 record player exists. If I did not know the $40,000 record player existed, none of this would be a concern. When I thought the $1,600 record player was as high as a record player would go, I was like, balling! And I was going to get one. Now suddenly a $1,600 record player seems like I'm stopping short and being cheap. This is what happens. But let's stop and take a moment to appreciate the fact that there are enough people, not only who can afford a $40,000 record player, but who would want a $40,000 record player for them to make $40,000 record players in scale such that they can produce them. Oh, and the other thing, right? So I'm talking to a dude at the record player store, and that dude just knows, like, you know, like, they spent all day doing this stuff. It's, it's, I don't even know if it was necessarily exciting to hear all the things that he knew about it, but it was fascinating to think this man knew so much about record players, and I had just never thought about how much there was to it. And so he starts explaining to me that some of these high-end brands, like the arm, the tone arm, they call it, or the arm. Anyway, that the arm on that thing, like some companies have good players but not really good arms, and so you wind up having to, like, get a new arm for your record player. And then you got to get a needle. They call that the cartridge. I've noticed this thing about the record, record player world. They do a lot of making up words. Anyway, so you got to get the needle, right? And there's different levels of quality in the needle. And so when I got my little setup here, somebody had gotten my Twitter mentions and recommended I get this like $250 needle for it. See, see what I'm saying? About this money, right? So yeah, he recommended me I get this $250 needle. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that because I'm thinking to myself, $250 sounds like a lot of money to spend on a needle for your record player. So I think I'm out here doing it big. I think I'm out here making it happen with my $250 needle. And so the man is explaining to me how sometimes you got to get yourself a new needle. Sometimes you got to get yourself a new, you know, new arm and stuff like that. And I was telling him, I tell him my cartridge, I give him the brand name because I knew what the brand name was when I went in there. And he's looking at me like, oh, okay, but that needle won't work well with this record player you're talking about. Oh, okay. I'm like, so what should I get to go with that, right? Now, I also have to admit that in part of this story, part of it is, I mean, I want you to treat me like you think I can afford this stuff. Like, I admit that. I want to make sure that when I'm out here doing some highfalutin shit that I'm treated like I'm doing some highfalutin shit. Like, I, when I went and bought the, the fancy watch. I was very happy because the woman treated me like I could afford the stuff as opposed to one of her colleagues who was over there thinking that there's no way in the world that I could afford the stuff. And then next thing I knew he was coming from the back to bring me a glass of champagne. Anyway. Um, so this man at the fancy record player store. Oh, he treated me like I could afford it. And I kind of wish he hadn't. Cause I asked him about that record player. I'm like, what kind of needle I need to get? And the homie was like, well, you know, it's a thousand dollar needle. That's really good. There's a $2,000 needle that I think is great. And I would also like to note in this, I want to know what kind of record player he got in his house. Like, I want to know how many units he's in here moving. Cause I imagine it would be absolute torture to be surrounded by all that stuff and not be able to get one. Like, I feel like everybody at the Mercedes dealership driving Mercedes. Like, if that dude was going to the crib with a $75 record player, man, you know how salty he would be. Yeah. Yeah. 
So anyway, yeah, he talked to me about, I'm like, $1,000 on the needle. I, I'm barely talking myself into this record player, but then once you do it, if you ain't got no rims, don't get no wood grain steering wheel. It's all a process. It's all a trap. Every single bit of it is a trap. But I got to get me one of these record players, even though it means I'm probably going to get another one. At which point I may make it available for sale. I'll put it on eBay. Y'all can decide if y'all want it. I'll sign the damn thing, okay? Anyway, that was 17 minutes about that. <laughs> Let us move on to your questions. Oh, yeah. Can we revisit your racial airport encounter for earlier this week? What a strange way to refer to it, but I will do that because if you were not on Twitter, you are missing out on what was a great story. So, um, I had to go to Louisiana this weekend for a funeral, and it wasn't one of those towns that's like, you know, not a large place. Anyway, it meant flying into Baton Rouge, but flying into Baton Rouge means having to catch a connecting flight. And one of the bourgeois things about my life at this point is when I go to the website, I click nonstop only. Uh, nonstop only was not an option in this circumstance, but am I glad that it dropped me off in Atlanta? Now, Atlanta, for a number of reasons, is a fantastic layover city. Number one, amazing scenery. Number two, great food options, Popeyes and the Chick-fil-A. And number three, combination of numbers one and two so anyway i don't even remember necessarily why i was where i was at the moment i was there but i see some white dude look to be in his 40s but i'm going to be honest with you i'm really bad at guessing white people's ages anyway he's got all like a plaid oxford shirt with an under armor bubble coat over it with some slacks and there's some black dude in his face and i i do not know who was in the right or who was in the wrong or how it started. Like, I can't give you the answer to that. But I know that black dude put his hand on the white dude's throat and he pushed him. Now, it happened to be apparently some servicemen. I don't know if they were on the way home or on the way out there to, you know, fight for our freedom. But they were in the airport and they were in their camo gear and they got between the black dude and the white dude. So the white dude starts backing up. And he's got this kind of, like, like snide sort of look on his face. I don't even know snide's an appropriate uh, description of somebody's face, but that was the word that I feel like using right now. But anyway, that dude, that happens. Homeboy look up and says, hey, fuck you, nigger. Like loud. Like I'm not, I'm not, like this wasn't no whisper. Like this was one where everybody could hear it. And this didn't just happen at the airport. This happened at the blackest airport that I know of. Like, if you start listing the accomplishments of blackness in the city of Atlanta, maybe in the United States, that airport is way up there. And I'm not even being dramatic. It's black people everywhere at that airport. It ain't even really that often that a white person is scanning your boarding pass for you to go onto the plane. Like it is black people everywhere. I can't imagine having 
whatever it takes, the audacity to say that in that place. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So now I'm there, right? And I'm frozen, but I'm not like stunned frozen. I'm just kind of like, yo, what is about to happen here? But at the same time, I'm feeling like, yo, I should probably say something to this dude. Like, I really felt like I should have said something to that dude. But I have nothing to gain here, right? Nothing at all to gain here. Because I can't fight that man. Like, not that I can't win the fight necessarily. Like, that's just something that I can't do. It's not really an option for me at this point in things. And so if that man calls me a nigger, whoa, I'm just going to be mad at me. Like, I ain't going to be mad at nobody else. I am only going to be mad at myself because I put myself in that situation, right? So I'm just there, and I'm watching as this dude says this, and he's kind of walking away. So this white dude comes up and is like, hey, hey, man, you, you just need to get out of here. You know, you just need to get out of here. He's like, you know what you said. You need to get out of here. And the dude's like, doesn't matter. My brother's in the FBI. And I'm looking around like, is your brother here? Because I don't feel like his presence in the FBI is going to do anything with what you got going. Like, and, and just as we talk about this, I say I can't fight the dude. For that first dude to put his hands on him like this, do you understand how mad somebody has got to be to fight at the airport? At the airport? Like, you are guaranteed to go to jail if you are fighting in the airport. There is no escaping. Like, aside from the fact that it's all uh, different law enforcement bodies out of there, where are you going to go? What do you think? You about to be sprinting through the airport and ain't nobody going to notice? Ain't nothing you can do. What you going to do? Come get on the plane? Like, if you fall somebody at the gate, Safest thing they can do is just post up a way for you to bring your ass back to the gate. Like that dude was furious. And then he got caught. And then the old buddy said that next. He said it a couple more times, I recall. But then old buddy said that next. And, I mean, it got tense. So the white dude walked up to him and tried to get him up out of there and tell him to walk away. And so he did that. And the next thing I know, this like five foot nine brother gets in his face. He's mad, right? He's probably about my complexion, bald head. So you would say he looked like me because y'all say anybody that fits that description looked like me. Man, he got in that white dude's face. His jaw was tight. The, 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 the muscle, like the veins in his neck. And he's like, yo, say that nigga shit again. Say that shit again. And white dude ain't really got nothing. Like, as the white dude's walking away, he wasn't swaggering away, right? Like, he was walking away. If you've ever done something and then walked away and know that somebody probably deserved to punch you for it, if you've ever been in that position, right, that slow walk, where you're like, ooh, it's coming. Ooh, it's coming. That is where this dude was in that walk as he's trying to get away. And he keeps talking about his brother being in the FBI. But that dude got in his face was like, yo, say it again, say it again. And the guy's like, yep, see, that's the thing about black people. They get violent. That's what they are. They are violent. And that's that that one right there is a very interesting strategic play. And it's an interesting strategic play because it is enough to give someone pause because nobody ultimately wants that white man to be right. That being said, there is also an understanding under those circumstances that there is nothing that you can do to change that white person's mind. Therefore, maybe just maybe in your thought process, 
you might as well whoop his ass anyway. It's a 50-50 ball that he threw up there, except for the fact that he was at the airport. And since he was at the airport, he could safely like figure that he wasn't going to get dropped. So he keeps walking, and I've stopped to watch this whole scenario. And as I'm walking, I keep walking. Like, I'm walking kind of on pace with this dude. And I don't know why, because I really feel like I should talk to this dude one way or another. So anyway, he goes in the newsstand. I need to go in the newsstand anyway. So I go in. Man, this cat walk up in the newsstand and start talking to these two black ladies at the register. And he start talking to them. And he's like, I just got strangled out there. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I just, I just got strangled out there. And they give him the old poor baby face. And he keeps talking. And I'm laughing. And I go, yeah, it's because he calls somebody. Yeah, then he calls somebody a nigga at the gate. And they're a what? And he tried to explain how it is that, you know, this is well, you know, whatever his explanation was. And they start laughing at him. And I tell him, I'm like, dude, you got off kind of easy on this one. That could have gone way worse. Like you could quibble within yourself about whether it would have been right or wrong if they could have stomped him out. But that's a situation where out stomping is absolutely in the realm of possibility. And he got out without the out stomping which is a victory in and of itself. And then he tells me again about how his brother's in the FBI. And I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out how tired his brother is of getting these phone calls at his desk at the FBI because his brother been wilding. So anyway, I walk out the newsstand. I didn't walk out with him, but I walked out. And I don't know if I stopped somewhere or something, but anyway, through some chain of circumstances, I wind up looking up, and it's like at this bar, and there's the dude again, and he's talking to a pilot. And he's like, clearly, I couldn't hear him, but he's clearly explaining what happened. And I don't think this dude was drunk. And I'm like, what's going to happen when you get this ally? Because I got news for you. The dude that put his hand around your throat and pushed you, he was the people's champ. Like at the gate. I would not be surprised if he got upgrade. Right, just so you know. Anyway, after that, I turned to the left, and there's this dude who had a beat playing on a speaker, and he was playing a saxophone, and it was mask off. Ladies and gentlemen, the Atlanta airport. Anyway, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. I think I made all the Black Panther people angry. A shock that nobody's in here trying to get some clarification about my little Twitter kerfuffle with them people. Yeah, right fast on this. So I'll think about it. Bo, I appreciate your comments on depression on the air via Twitter. How are you feeling just in general? Hard winter and needed some maintenance on the mind. You okay? Hey, ease up, homie. Um, I was on Dan's show, radio show the other day, and I was talking about We were talking about like the stigma around mental illness. And I, the point I was trying to make, I was like, yo, I started seeing a therapist. And I don't feel like anybody after that is going to really make a big deal out of it. And the point that I was making is that I do believe that a lot of the stigma around the idea of like getting some help in that way is dissipating. And I do believe that to be true. And I don't like, I don't think those things are a big deal. That being said, I want to be clear um, about this. I ain't in no like super miserable place. I had a lot of life go on, but like, I'm not in no place where you need to be worried about how I'm doing or anything like that. Now, to be clear, if I was in that place, I wouldn't tell you. But, nah, it ain't that. I think the point that I was really just trying to illustrate is that even if you think what you got is rolling, you could probably stand to go in for a little bit of maintenance. 
Like the way I put it, I saw a therapist. I was in my early teens. I'm 37 years old now. Like I've missed a, I missed a lot of checkups. My transmission fluid probably looked like Henny. I, like that's that's the point that I'm making there. Like there's nothing to really take from it beyond like about me, you know, or any level of concern that is required or whatever it is. No, 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 no. It's not that kind of thing. But I think that's ultimately the point to me is that at least with people, if you got something like for real, like you really feel like depressed and weighed down in those sorts of ways. Hey, man, people need to get checked out on stuff that comes well before that. Well before that, like if that's how you feel and you don't necessarily feel comfortable talking to the people who are around you in that way. Hey, man, you can just tell them that you're going in for some maintenance. And I really think that most people will understand. I honestly do, because it doesn't have to be so bad for you to get checked out. And what exactly it is ain't really nobody's business but your own. So you can tell them and not tell them however much it is. But just know, all of us probably could stand to go see somebody. It ain't no, like, this ain't no big indictment of you or some look at you as though you're the one with the defect or whatever it is. No matter how bad it is, I'm just telling you, a whole lot of people need to go ahead and do that. And one thing I'd also make the point of also, I see y'all out here in these streets. I know how fucked up y'all are. Y'all ain't about to be the ones out here telling me that I'm the one that's wrong. You know what I mean? Like, ain't a whole lot of us that get that much room for judgment when it comes to somebody else's mental stability. Most of us are just hanging on as tight as we can as it is. And people that's most likely to be on there, like, making you feel bad about something like that are way more, are, like, ten times as messed up than you, or ten times more messed up than you think you are. Like, I feel really confident in that statement. But anyway, I'm cool. Like, I'm, I'm really not playing no tough guy routine for you. I mean that. Appreciate the question, though. Let me see what we got here. All right, I'm going to hijack this question and turn it into what I want it to be. Do you think there's a link between America's fetishization of violence and overuse pornography? I got to be honest. I don't really know exactly what you mean by overuse pornography, but this allows me to make a Black Panther segue. Hold on. All right, so... I was on the Twitter today and I saw that the Warriors, rather than going to the White House, we're going to take some kids to the National, the, the Black People Museum in the Smithsonian. Now, I admit that the way I made this connection could be a bit specious to some people, but I think my point remains decent, perhaps inelegantly expressed, but you'll get me. I was like, yo, they're going to take them kids to that museum. I say, that's a better move than taking kids to go see violent-ass Black Panther. And as you guys may have noticed, there's a certain segment of cadre of people that really don't appreciate it when you say something bad about Black Panther. Now, understand that I did not receive the full weight of that Black Panther Brigade because that Black Panther Brigade is largely largely populated by people who have seen my movies and really don't want to be on the business end of them. Right? Like, there's a whole lot of people with good sense that's out here on the super duper overprotective Black Panther program, and they ain't trying to, they really don't want these problems over no movie. Hey, 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 look here. Chances are neither do you. But anyway, that happened. Now, Black Panther is a violent 
movie. Now, I don't watch movies as much as I used to, and I really don't watch movies that much that are in that space. So the relative violence is not what I'm talking about. I am not talking about whether this is more or less violent than any of the other Marvel movies or anything else. But I think, objectively speaking, there is a level of violence in that movie that we can indisputably say that the movie is violent. You can tell me there ain't no blood and all that stuff like that, and that's cool. But the movie is violent. Like, I mean, and some like like some of the ways that people are being killed and who's being killed by whom like some of it was legitimately startling you know like that was ooh i mean some of it some of it was a bit unsettling and you could say unsettling was necessary for the movie and that's fine however i keep seeing people out here talking about how important it is to send to take kids to go see black panther and people donate money to take like bust the kids from school to go see black panther and that is ridiculous like if you talk about some teenagers i think okay maybe we could start talking about something but if you got a busload of eight-year-olds to go see that movie that seems from where i'm standing to be a wee bit irresponsible and I don't blame people if they don't know walking into the theater how violent the movie is going to be. But it is violent. Like, I mean, and I don't think it's a ridiculous thing to say that that's a movie that's not exactly appropriate for children. Um, the MPAA, the people that do the ratings things, and there you seem to be a pretty corrupt body. So I don't think that they can be the ones that necessarily hold your hand through everything and decide what is or is not appropriate for children. But yo, man. They made it a PG-13, and those boards kind of serve at the mercy of the major studios. The major studios want to get that rating kind of sort of as low as they can. I imagine that you kind of want a PG-13 as equilibrium to let people know they're going to get the violence that they crave. But at the same time, the lower you drop that bad boy, the more people you got that's going to go see it. You see what I mean? And they made it a PG-13. It's a lot. That's there. And so I was making this point on Twitter, and I do think that largely as a society, we are really desensitized to violence. Like, I think that there's a level of violence in that movie that you're probably not seeing in a movie 20-something years ago or 25. I feel fairly confident um, saying that. But I just don't think no matter when the time was that that was something that if I were to have an eight-year-old child, that I would think that that's something that I'm taking them to see. I just don't. You know, and I talked to some people who took, I mean, there were people in my mentions who said they took their kids and they were like, yo, this is a little bit much. People who were covering their kids' eyes once it was. And the whole argument that seemed to be coming counter to it is even people acknowledging the level of violence in it, that their belief in how important it was for black kids to see black people as being like superheroes. And I am, I got a lot of consideration to give to the weight that people are putting on this. That the idea that it's that important that our kids can't see themselves as fully human unless they're able to see themselves as being superhuman. Like, I feel like we're skipping some steps that we don't necessarily have to skip in order to get to the goal that people want. Like, I could make an argument. And I mean, and I think that this would be a fair argument to make that, yes, that there's something empowering, perhaps, for black kids who see white people as the superheroes all the time to see that the black person can also be the superhero. I get that. But see, here's the thing. The roles that are typically played by like just heroes, not superheroes, right? Not comic book heroes, but just heroes. Those roles are still largely played by black people, which means that almost by extension, what we're saying is that 
do we really believe that the only depiction of excellence that we could come up with that's going to really positively affect a bunch of kids is one that does not actually exist in real life? Like we're acting like the only way that you can get kids to see these things is through fantasy. Which means almost in a way that we're saying that that level of black excellence that we talk about is a fantasy. Because when I talk about the violence of Black Panther, the whole thing, the point they're making is, well, you know, it's not all of them, but people are like, well, you know, well, kids will be able to figure out that that's not real. And then we can talk to them about it. Well, if your whole point is that this thing isn't real, then what the hell are you using it to inspire them with if it's not real? So, yeah, like it throws me off a little bit when I see the way that people talk about this. And again, I think it's a very good movie. But in terms of what it's going to do. Black Panther as a movie is probably going to do more for me as a black person who creates content than it will do for you, black person living in this world. I think that's a fair point to make. I think it's there to be said. But let me just give this is just something I thought about in the course of having this discussion with people. The most important thing for me, I think, that my parents did in terms of like blackness and self-esteem and all that stuff is at an early age and exposure. And I don't know if immersion is the right word, but in African history, like I never have grown up with this idea that black people were any less capable of anything or this, you know, I'd never, you know, people, and you hear people talk about this. They'd be like, it wasn't until they got to like some point in life that they had never known of a whole bunch of the positive accomplishments of black people. And I've always known them. Like I've gotten them from the very, very, very beginning. Like they ain't never been no point that I've looked up and felt that in some way that by virtue of being black, there was anything I couldn't do or any notion of lesser or any of that. Like that's, that's a trauma I've never really experienced. And I think that part of the reason I've never experienced that trauma is where we started out from the beginning with it. Like Wakanda is cool, but there's like real life stuff that you could be doing. Like there's actual things that are there on the ground. And then you don't have to look to the Walt Disney company to be the basis of your revolution, which you have to admit is a preposterous idea. And I say this as an employee of the Walt Disney company. Like I've said this on the air. I'm like, yo, y- y'all think the revolution is coming from Disney? That, that's not that's not what they do. It's not what they're into. It's not what they're about. And so I think I've talked about this on the podcast before also that for me that I didn't grow up with movies in that way. Like they're not important to me in that way. So like the idea of seeing us on screen in that way, it doesn't choke me up. Right. And it really did that for a lot of people. It doesn't do it for me. Now, I acknowledge that part of it is I'm not necessarily in the same space as the people that are most affected by this. You know, and I have to be real about that. So I'm not like being too judgmental on this fact. But I had people who are so defensive of this movie and just fighting me on the idea of it being violent and anything else. You know. And so. I don't know, man. I feel like I'm learning a whole lot about a lot of people. And I don't mean like, you know, I'm seeing what people really are underneath anything like that. No, no, no. Like, I feel like this is a very interesting glimpse into how desperate a lot of people have been for the notion of representation. You know, like just. 
I guess for people to feel like their experience is valid. And I think it's fair to say that by to a certain extension, it's not just it's like the validation coming in a major scale and the major scale is the big budget movie. And I think it kind of speaks to just what the importance of like cinema is to people's individual lives. I there's a, there's a you know there's there's a lot there's a lot there. There there really really is. But that don't mean you should be taking a bunch of 8-year-olds to go see it. You know, like I just couldn't believe that people were willing to argue with me to the death about this. I had somebody call me Uncle Tom. I was like, what? For saying that the movie is violent? Yo, what? So at some point, and I don't know exactly when it is, and I've seen some things kind of trickle out. There's a lot of like fertile ground for discussion about Black Panther. A lot because none of it is nearly as tidy as people want it to be. There's a lot to be had, but man, are people going to be able to allow it? Like, how long is it going to be before we get out of this cloud? Before we can actually have those discussions? And by the time that comes around, are people still going to be interested enough to have the discussions that could, in fact, be fascinating? Anyway, appreciate the question. That I turned into my own question. By the way, now we got people with this. It start at home with the parents in the village and all this stuff. Man, it's a lot of stuff going on. That pointing finger at parents and stuff. I mean, yeah, okay. I don't know. Anyway, you know what? I got a good 44 minutes. That's good. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Evening Jones. Try to do this thing once a week, somewhere around there. My man Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you. Remember, if you can't watch The Evening Jones live, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the iTunes store. Subscribe at Stitcher Radio. Check us out at SoundCloud. We're also at the Google Play Store. Hope to talk to you guys next week. Take it easy.